Hi there again. I'm Father Matt Kovisk, and I'm the rector of St. Mary's Anglican Church in Verdun. This day, in our gospel reading that's assigned to us, we find ourselves with Jesus in the temple as he's teaching and rebuffing the different religious groups that have come forward to try to challenge him. They presented him with different questions such as, is it lawful to pay taxes? And a long convoluted question about how the law works around a widow losing a series of husbands. The religious groups have teamed up with each other in order to make Jesus look bad in the temple. This has been the trajectory of the last few weeks of readings, and this week we encounter Jesus in his last confrontation in the temple, which you can find in Matthew 22, verses 34 to 46. Now, when we read the passage this day, we might be tempted to believe that the Pharisees and the Sadducees would have been arm in arm in many of their beliefs. For, when we think of the religious groups of the temple during first century Palestine, our minds automatically think of those two groups. The phrase, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, at least for this preacher, roll off the tongue so easily. What we would consider to be a close association between the two groups, frankly, did not exist. They concerned themselves with different things, and frankly, at times, tensions would have been high between the two groups. However, each group has its own t issue with Jesus' teaching in the temple. The specific issue that the Pharisees had with Jesus was that he was teaching the law. That was the Pharisees' thing. Jesus came along and started teaching about the law like the Pharisees. But he didn't do it like the Pharisees. Unlike the Pharisees, he was doing it clearly, cogently, and with integrity. In this passage, their question about which commandment is the greatest is not a simple question with a simple answer, like we may think it would be. In their teaching, the Pharisees have been emphasizing tradition and adherence to the purity laws set forth in the Tanakh. The Tanakh is part of the Jewish scriptures. And for the Pharisees, this was how they kept up their relationship with God. In their questioning of Jesus in this passage, if they could only get him to admit that the commandment to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength was in fact the greatest commandment, they could silence Jesus and rest in their idea that they were right. If Jesus didn't admit that this was the greatest commandment, they could accuse him of sacrilege. However, Jesus does as he does and points out something important here. He points out that an interpretation of scripture can never be as simplistic as the Pharisees wanted. Living that religious life can't be boiled down into a single goal. While Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5, where the people are commanded to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength, one will notice that in Jesus' sayings and teachings, here there's a qualifier. If we read Matthew 22, verse 38, we read this. This is the greatest and first commandment. Now, my friends, Jesus is saying that there's more involved to living a godly life than just loving God as we have first been loved, that there's something else that's been added to it. He then clarifies what he means by that by quoting another book of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. 
For those Pharisees, there was only one dimension to their faith, what we would call the vertical dimension, the human-divine relationship. How you dealt with God was the most important thing to them. That horizontal dimension, the human-human relationship, was far less important to them. However, in his teaching, Jesus is showing the Pharisees and those gathered around him that that horizontal dimension was just as significant and important as the vertical dimension. For Jesus, it was not a case of either or, but both and. Both are required to live a truly Christ-like life. And my friends, these two commandments really are intertwined. The second commandment, to love thy neighbor as thyself, builds upon the first commandment, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. However, the commandment to love thy God manifests itself through the love of neighbor. For one cannot claim to love God without loving the neighbor around us. For, my friends, as we read in the first letter of John, those who say I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. That's from the first letter of John, chapter 4, verse 20. Loving God should be at the core of our faith, but it's not the whole story. When our love for God does not translate into a love for those around us, both near and far, it provides nothing more than a facade for our own indifference and or hostility towards our neighbor. Jesus nails this down for the Pharisees when he makes this statement. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. For the Pharisees, the law and keeping to the law was of most importance, as I've said. Jesus is reminding them and us down through to this age that the love of God and the love of neighbor are not only intertwined, but again, how we are to live a Christ-like life. The law and the prophets both speak of love of God and love of neighbor. But, my friends, they do not explicitly combine the two like Jesus does here. So what? What does this mean for me as a 21st century Christian? Well, yes, we are to love God and to love our neighbors ourselves. These are the two precepts to living a godly life. In our society, though, love is a very general term that gets thrown around a lot. And my friends, I think it might be helpful for us to briefly define the term in the biblical context. This is where going back to the Greek may help us. The word that Jesus uses in the gospel according to St. Matthew in this passage, the word that he uses is akephesis, which translated from that Greek means the love of God for man and of man for God. My friends, this love, this agape love, as it's commonly known, this love is to be selfless, which means we put the other before our own needs. C.S. Lewis, the great English theologian and author, once wrote on the four loves, he wrote in 1960. In this work, he talks about agape love as the highest form of love, a love that sacrifices for the other. As he wrote, quote, to love it all is to be vulnerable. And that is the point I want to leave you with today. To love God and to love others means that we have to be vulnerable with God and with one another. This is incredibly difficult work. 
Because as the prophet Ezekiel tells us, our hearts are made of flesh, not stone, which means they are susceptible to hurt and trauma and damage. And as I talk about vulnerability, both with God and with one another, I'm reminded of the words of a man named Father Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen was a Roman Catholic priest and an assistant at large daybreak in the 1990s. He died in 1996 and is buried just outside the community. Interesting note, I actually served as a house assistant at large daybreak myself in the same house as a casual assistant between 2014 and 2017. Father Nowen once said this, Simply being with someone is difficult because it asks of us that we share in the other's vulnerability, enter with him or her into the experience of weakness and powerlessness, become part of the uncertainty, and give up control and self-determination. Showing love to others and to God is never about us or what we can do. It is always about the other. This is incredibly difficult work to be sure. It's incredibly difficult work to be vulnerable in front of others, to show our weaknesses in front of others, especially as we live in a world that constantly tells us to put up walls and to quote, say strong when we feel weak. My friends, showing vulnerability is what love looks like, both for our love of God and love of others. We are to show vulnerability to God and to others. And when we do these things, we fulfill those two great commandments on which the law, the prophets, and everything else in which everything in our Christian life is based. Thanks be to God.